Okie dokie, we are uh, back in Numbers 11. I guess not back, we haven't actually, I think we did Numbers 10 last time we gathered, so Numbers 11, and um, it's a long passage, but uh, I want to hear you guys, so can Matt or whoever is hosting post it for us, and let's have a few volunteers um, read as much of the passage out loud to us as you want. We won't be doing our breakout, any breakout uh, in the beginning today. So we'll be studying it together in one large group. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. I mean, he heard them, his anger was aroused. The, then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So the place was called Tabera because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into cakes, and it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive of all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, put me to death right now. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders, elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five, 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. 
and the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. But the spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp, as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers. Then they spread them out all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth Hatava because there they buried the people who had craved other food. From Kibroth Hatava, the people traveled to Hazroth and stayed there. All right. Thank you for uh, getting us through. Well read. Um, so chapter 11 uh, till about 17, um, it actually is kind of a string of rebellions uh, where individuals or groups uh, take issue with leadership. Okay, um, and the primary issue is with God's leadership, what God had done for them, what God was making them do, or what God was not doing, okay, what God was uh, depriving them of. Um, and also there's issues with Moses, right, or, or as God's representative, or uh, Moses, the things that he does, the positions that he holds. Uh, Aaron is also implicated. Um, Aaron is actually both a rebel and then a recipient of complaints. Uh, that's an interesting, we'll, we'll get to that uh, later on, a uh, few, few, few studies uh, down. But it kind of culminates in chapters 13 to 14, which I think we'll study next time, um, in the, where the people refuse to go into Canaan. God leads them to the border of Canaan. They send spies out, spies return, say land is good milk and honey, but um, there are giants in the land, so we dare not go, we'll die. And then the people take up that cry and the mob mentality rules. And in the end, right, they reject God's um, uh, invitation, God's command to go to the promised land. And, and there are you know, repercussions uh, as a result of that. So uh, our uh, passage begins with kind of a general kind of um, incident, right? Let's say verses 1 to 3. It uh, doesn't really say much about what the people were complaining about. They talk about hardship, right? So it's not, it's not specified. And it doesn't really explain um, what God was, uh, I mean, God's anger burned. And so that you, you'll see that again. But... Um, he doesn't punish them directly, right? Um, he, he doesn't, uh, he punishes them by sending the fire, but um, nobody dies, that, that I think, from, from what you see there. Um, the people cry out to Moses, and Moses intercedes, and uh, God relents. Um, this, I think, is kind of like a topic sentence, kind of, of a paragraph, kind of tells you what's going to happen, what to expect. You can expect the people to have their problems, their issues, their, their, uh, their grumbling, their, 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 their grousing. Right? And then you're going to have God in his frustration, in his holiness, in his wrathful response. And then you're going to have poor Moses. He's kind of stuck in the middle, right? He, he's an intercessor, yet he knows, you know, God's heart as well. And so... Uh, like in our passage, we see that, you know, Moses has his emotions as well. So it's an interesting uh, study in kind of uh, relational dynamics, an interesting study in how people perceive leadership. It's an interesting study in, you know, what, uh, you know, God's efforts were to kind of like, 
um, trying to discipline or train uh, the people. Um, a lot of it is hard to read, I find. Right? Uh, there's a lot of, of kind of um, like you're just shaking your head, right? Why? Is that, is that, is that the term? S M H. <laughs> that took me a long time to figure out what that was. <laughs> There's a lot of SMHing going on uh, when I read this because I can't believe the people would do this. I can't believe that they would act this way. And then, like, when God, you know, He seems like, I don't know, either too harsh or too lenient. So, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, what, what's God doing in this? And then, you know, Moses, sometimes he's, he's just a brilliant kind of like, his heart is so big. Other times he's like, you know, like today. He, you see his humanness too. So it's hard to read, but yet um, there's, I think, realistic elements and stuff. So I hope, um, you know, we can benefit from it. A lot of you uh, are leaders, whether in the church or in your families, in your workplaces, in other, you know, cultural and, and relational spheres and stuff. So I, I'm sure you've been on both ends where, you know, as a person or as a part of the group, you know, we, we join our voices, you know, when we have a problem, when we have an issue, when we're not happy. And maybe we've tried to, uh, you know, uh, when we've been asked or we've been appointed to lead, um, we have heard, you know, people take issue with, uh, you know, a decision or a process or, you know, lack thereof um, and stuff. So... It's a very human kind of, um, uh, it's a part of human interaction. Right? And so hopefully uh, we can benefit both uh, ways. So the first thing we'll look at carefully or a little bit more intently is verses four, right? Uh, through, um, let's see, verses four through uh, 11. Four through 10, 10A. No, 10 is good. All the way up to and Moses, before and Moses was troubled. So this is the people's specific complaint about um, not, about eating manna, you know, getting sick of manna, basically. And then um, they're complaining to God, right? And then God's response of, uh, it says exceedingly angry in verse 10. So let's look at that. Um, I had a simple question. Matt, if you could put up study question one. Um, so it's just a, a simple, like, how would you characterize a people's complaint to God? How would you characterize God's reaction? So I'd like to hear a few. You guys can put it in the chat if you want, or you can verbalize it, but keep it brief. Um, if you had to kind of describe it, you know, what was there, what was like the complaint? What was there, you know, of course it was about, you know, the, the, the food, it's a you know, food issue, but what was really underlying it? And then how about, you know, how would you, what insights do you have into God's reaction? Ah, before um, I hear your input, um, I, I, I actually meant to say that, you know, uh, chapters one through 10 has been about preparation and about um, what the tabernacle is going to look like and the arrangement of the camps, the, the numbering. Uh, so, and, and the actual, um, you know, departure from Sinai. And so I think it's a very relatively positive description. Uh, the people are obedient. There's you know, progress, there's, there's movement, things start out well, right? Uh, but 11 through 17 is kind of realistic in that way as well. Like sometimes things launch with a bang, things, you know, we have ideas, we have, you know, let's go for this and there's enthusiasm, but the things get protracted. You hit uh, obstacles, right? Uh, things don't go according to plan, right? You run out of money. You run out of personnel power or whatever it is. And then you start hearing, right? You start hearing the discontent. You start hearing the questions. And um, 
I feel like um, more important than the start, it's really these kinds of like, how do you overcome these hurdles that determine the quality or the, 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 the longevity of either an initiative or, or a people or, or a project, right? If you can't overcome this, right, then, um, you know, I think uh, it's not going to get very far, right? It's almost like it's better to kind of save your energy <laughs> for these kinds of challenges, right? So I just wanted to kind of transition from what we've studied up till now to this kind of uh, era or period of, 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 of complaining and relational conflict. D disaffection was what, how one commentator put it, like disaffection between God, people and God, and then Moses and, and, and the people, etc. All right, uh, any... Um, Yeah, so there's a, let's see if I can answer that question. So yeah, it's unclear um, when this, um, uh, the Tabera incident occurred. It's unclear when their complaint came out. It doesn't really locate it, either in a location or in a time uh, frame. But um, they had, you know, I think we determined that they had, um, it had been like over a year, but not much more than a year. Um, to um, since they left Egypt, so you know it wasn't the forty years yet, right? That happens after they, um, you know, get uh, punished uh, in chapter thirteen and fourteen. Okay, appreciate what the laws wrote or the law from the law to everyone. Any other um, posts or verbal um, thoughts? Thoughts expressed verbally. I guess there's kind of like um, some distortion as well because they seem to have pretty warm memories of Egypt as if they you know, got all that variety of food um, for free and there wasn't the forced labor and all. And, um, yeah, just, uh, kind of, um, uh, I think that their memories are short, I guess. So. Good. Yeah. They, they beautify or romanticize Egypt. Uh, and they forget, you know, they were crying out in misery right, for a long time and they were so happy to escape. Uh, but now, um, their situation have gotten in their subjective opinion so bad that they discount the suffering and only um, crave or want the, the, the things that they, uh, they that, that were important to them. Some people even say that they um, they ate fish, uh, but it doesn't really talk about meat there. And in another section, I think it talks about like they sat around pots of meat, uh, and, and in, in another, I think another place. Um, and the indication is that they didn't really have access to meat because it was, you know, rare and expensive. Uh, and, and so it, it's like they're just craving the smell. <laughs> Sometimes it's pretty good. Right? Sometimes that does kick your uh, salivary glands into gear, certainly. But um, so even that, they're exaggerating. I, lo I love Peter's word, this distortion. Oh, good. You were seeing uh, good stuff. Can I go back to uh, if the laws? I don't know if they'll, but what do you mean it was real? Um, that's an interesting word to me. I think um, that feeling of discontent, you know, was real. That uh, that they were really unhappy. I mean, I, it's it, it. We can always, whenever people are dissatisfied, sometimes like you shouldn't feel that way, right? But yeah, I, I think that. Um, you know, it, it, it was a real emotion that they were feeling. Maybe that it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't appreciative. It may not have been, you know, they, they may have skewed things, but it wasn't something that they kind of like fabricated 
it was something that they genuinely felt that we should uh, acknowledge. Hmm. So, but doesn't, I, th I think I know what you mean, right? They, they weren't trying to like, I don't know, oust Moses. And so they're making up like a long list of complaints, right? Uh, right. Allegations. But um, doesn't that kind of allow um, us to, you know, like, uh, it's hard when people say like, that's how I feel. Right. Or that, that's, that's, that's how I, I I'm weird. I'm weird about, I'm weird like that. And, and it's almost when it's authentic or when it's, you know, you really, you really, that's what you are or who you feel. Doesn't that sometimes um, give us license to, I don't know, to legitimize uh, what we're, what we're doing. So, um, you know, even if we don't have a, it's not valid, let's say, whatever we mean by valid, but we feel like it's, uh, we, we uh, argue or we, uh, our, our approach is um, that um, I can't help it. Whereas I think you could, I think, make a case that, you know, biblical uh, discipleship and growth and spiritual maturity um, you know, we we may really feel like complaining, but you know, our desire to you know be uh, like imitate Christ, um, you know, allows us to kind of harness it. Or uh, I don't know if you know what I'm saying, Tony, or if others want to comment. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not saying that it was. Um you know, it was appropriate, right? I don't think that, that uh, what they were feeling was appropriate given where they were. But I think that, um, you know, I, by saying that, uh, you know, what you're, what you're feeling is, it, it, I guess another way of putting it is to say, hey, it's not valid. You shouldn't even feel this way, right? By, by saying that sometimes is, you know, has, uh, has a different effect, right? right? Like we suppress it or we lie about it, right? And, and, right. And, yeah. Okay, I get it. Okay, good. Um, so I, I think you're you got, we're seeing a lot of whatever uh, lack of gratitude or lack of appreciation. Uh, Young brought it kind of relationally there. Um, Alice talks about uh, the, uh, like loss of purpose. Um, okay, I, I wanted to see a God's response. Um, uh, post uh, answers with big picture in mind. Yeah, we'll get to the prophesying if we have time. But so, yeah, do you think uh, God's response, Alice, was for Moses or was it for the people? Uh, it, what you wrote suggests that it was for the, well, you say helping Moses with his burden, but how does that help the people? Or why does God's response is exceedingly angry? So why is that a bigger picture response? Yeah, so I was kind of struggling with that because I feel like he initially um, he says, you know, I want to help you with your burden, um, but then I was thinking if he can at least um, help the elders like support Moses more. I guess in turn that you know, that helps Moses and that also helps the people because Moses can be um, a better leader to them okay. um, because he also was kind of, you know, complaining himself and kind of crying out to God as well. Uh, but then in terms of his response, but then like the whole thing with the plague, I got, I got kind of, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, like, that tripped me up a little bit. Let's uh, hold off on the Moses. Um, uh, I want you to bring that back up when we get to Moses' reaction. I, I'm trying to, uh, I'd like us to, um, yeah, maybe um, try to figure out, you know, what the people were uh, um, also wrong about what the people did. That, you know, it, God was exceedingly uh, angry uh, at them. Um, I mean, we could say that, 
you know, maybe underlying the complaint about the monotony of food um, is kind of a question about God's leadership in general. All right. So, you know, if God is um, specifically as, as, as sovereign, as omniscient, as, you know, omnipotent, he says, this is the way to go. And you question a part of his plan or his instructions. Um, does that indicate that you are you know, like a rebel at heart? Um, and it might be, right? Because it does eventually, you know, like I said, you'll see all the way through 17, and especially in 13 and 14, that uh, the people are questioning, you know, God's a bigger picture, right? Uh, if, you know, the moment you question the Exodus or this life versus the life in Egypt, it is indicative of at least some feelings or some sense of you know, God made a mistake or God isn't really watching out for us. And, and so I appreciate what Young wrote. Right? They, um, they were you know, questioning the heart of the relationship, whether God had their best interests in mind. Uh, and, and I think that is maybe what um, you know, God is, is responding to because um, that is, you know, the, 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 the one thing that I feel like the people can't really question. Um, you know, they can take issue, you know, as we all do with certain things, but to doubt God's whatever goodness or God's, you know, plan or, or um, his desire to uh, work out what's best for us. Um, I think that is kind of the essence of sin and of rebellion is that you, we attribute um, evil or harm to, you know, to God directly. Okay. So let's think about that a little. If we <clears throat> go back to the Garden of Eden, right? why did Eve take the food? How did the serpent tempt her? Right. I think that he, she planted a seed of doubt uh, about whether God really wanted what's best for them. Right. He said, you know, um, if you eat the tree, if you uh, eat this fruit, right, you will know, you will have the knowledge of good and evil yourself. Right. The fact that God forbade you, forbade, forbade, for <laughs> you know, uh, commanded you not to eat it, um, that means that he is holding back. He is withholding something. He has evil intent. That's how I personally interpret, you know, when it says, when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you'll not be forgiven in the New Testament when Jesus says that. Like one of those uh, contexts is that when um, they uh, say that, uh, I think they, um, it's talking about, uh, Beelzebub, Satan, uh, the prince of demons. And they're attributing like certain things to Beelzebub, right? So it, it, it's, uh, if I recall it, it's the spirit and Beelzebub that they kind of, they're accusing the Holy Spirit in Jesus of, of doing something like that. And that prompts Jesus to say that sin will not be forgiven. Right. Of course, you know, we, that's a very difficult passage and we could spend, you know, an hour talking about that. But just, you know, following my, my kind of how I'm tracing it, right? So, um, you know, even the prodigal son, right? How do we understand what the son did? It wasn't greed per se uh, that offended the father. It wasn't leaving home per se, right? It was um, kind of a rejection of... Um, the, the relationship. Right. So, you know, I remember like a skit where we try to illustrate once what the prodigal son did. It's like going to your parents and saying, you know, I'm going to leave this family. I'm going to change my name. I'm going to expunge the records. I'm going to forget you completely. I'm going to cut off uh, this relationship, right? For whatever reason, you know, whether you thought you don't want it anymore, or you thought they had wronged you or, or whatnot. Um, but I, I, I'd like, at least I want to think about it that way, that 
this was offensive, not because, you know, it was about food, like God could have given them any food, right? And heck, we live in <laughs> New York City, we have 24 hour access to uh, amazing cuisines all the time, you know, with the swipe of the finger. So if I had to eat manna every day, I certainly, <laughs> you know, would not be happy, I would be a grumbler uh, myself. So, you know, I, I don't see God being upset at that particular grumbling, right? But then questioning God's character, questioning his love, questioning his trust, uh, questioning his um, um, desire to accomplish what's best. Um, whether it's uh, implicit or um, whether, you know, God sees that uh, in, in there, uh, that to me uh, warrants um, this kind of like a harsher uh, response. All that. Oh, I forgot to put, Matt, if you could put up the Keith Green song. Keith Green, uh, if you guys, I think he's a singer from the 70s and 80s. He uh, had a song called, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt? And he's making fun of the manna, of the, the Israelites, right? And uh, so if you see, you know, we snack on manna all day, flaming manna souffle, uh, but manna bread, I like that one. I don't know if you guys know that song, but yeah, if we ate that, you know, three meals a day and, you know, not only, you know, for a year plus and, you know, we didn't, we didn't know when it was going to end. I feel like yeah, it certainly, uh, um, I think we would all kind of uh, lose our interest, our, our taste buds uh, would be uh, affected. Right? So, okay, um, there's going to be a lot more about the Israelites and God in future studies. So let's see, let's, let, let's just uh, leave that there. I think uh, maybe as Alice was leaning, pointing towards the more interesting conversation, at least in chapter 11, is between Moses and God, right? So let's look at that uh, in earnest. So verse um, uh, like 10b, and Moses was troubled, right? So 10b all the way to... Um, Maybe verse 24, no, 23, 10b through 23. That would be the next section for us to consider. And the, I think the question that I have uh, would be um, similar. Like, what do you make of the substance of Moses' articulated issue with God? Uh, so Moses complains, right? Moses um, he takes God on uh, for this. So um, what do you guys think? Was this a, a valid um, grumbling on Moses' part? Or was he also overstepping? Posts or sharings would be appreciated. Yeah, that's uh, the moon's asked the question. So in Exodus 18, Moses's father-in-law sees Moses adjudicating disputes or legal matters, and uh, Moses is doing it all by himself. And he says, "Let me offer you some advice. And if God approves, um, then um, why don't you do it?" And that is appoint 70 people to take this load off you. And Moses does that, and he benefits from it. The difference here uh, seems to be. Um, the commentators say that that was more of an administrative um, kind of delegation, and this is actual spiritual leadership. So it was a, a kind of a, of a different kind.
Dave, um, appreciate what you said, or Lucy. Uh, so is that, so is Moses in the wrong, in the right, maybe a little bit of both? Um, I don't know if he's in the right or wrong, but like, it was almost funny when I was reading and he asked God, like, did I conceive them and did I give birth to them, right? Like, obviously the answer is no, but he's now just asking these questions almost like, you know, I didn't conceive them and you know, I didn't give birth to them. So why are you burdening me? Like, I'm not their mom or their dad. Why are you entrusting them to me in such a way that I had to carry them and that's too much for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. When I read that, I actually, it reminded me of what the Israelites, how they reacted is that they were wailing, you know, like a, like an infant. I want to eat meat. I want to, you know, go back to vegetables, no more manna. You know, I don't want to eat what mom made for me and stuff. So, I, I, that's, that's, uh, you know, I, I thought that was kind of, if, if that's a connection, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, you know, the Israelites, uh, I think um, what, I, what I should have mentioned is, I feel like they're overwrought, right? Meaning that they're too dramatic uh, about, uh, you know, the, the manna issue, they, that every one of them wailed in front of them. It was a very immature response, right? But as we've been saying, the immaturity actually probably describes their understanding of God or their relationship with God. Okay. Um, all right, the Hua, whoever the Hua is, or if it's both of them. So what's the valid complaint in your mind? Or why did you put it in double quotes? Well, uh, I think like what... Mo Tony said earlier, in Moses's mind, it's very valid. You know, he had just gone through the desert, gone through this, you know, gone through all these things with these people, and even with like the manna, with the quail, it's just, or soon to be quail, just feels like what what's gonna give for these people to just be quiet and be grateful to God. And, um, you know, just so in his mind, Moses' mind is very valid. Uh, he's kind of like Lucy said, she's kind of had it. You know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And, um, and but yet for me, I, I feel like he's, he's still going to God to ask him for the answer. He's, um, I mean, he could have totally just, so forget you, and I'll, I'm going to go back to my father-in-law um, and enjoy the time in Midian or whatever, um, but he didn't. Um, he kind of vented to God and allowed God to, and, and stay, stuck around to hear what God um, has to say to him, listen for his answer. Yeah, great. So would you say that his complaints were generally in the wrong? No, I don't. I, I don't think it's generally in the wrong. I, I think it's just his, his complaints to God. Uh, and I think you mentioned it before, you know, like God takes our grumbles. He took his complaint. It's, um, it's just whether or not he's going to obey when God tells him what his answer is. Right. No, I mean, just, uh, let me try to restate that. Not that it was wrong for him to complain, but were the complaints themselves, or what, you, what you said about the valid, quote unquote, it, 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 they weren't really justifiable complaints. Would you agree to that? Justifiable complaint? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you can argue the part about the, like, like he, he, he becomes, you know, drama queen right here, right? But... Mm -hmm. But, um, but it was a hard burden. I think that was a justifiable complaint. But um, how he, you can say he could approach God a different way with the burden, you know, like, oh, I need some help. Can you send me some help with these people? But, um, but I think the complaint was valid. Okay, thank you. Um, 
I agree that I think um, the, like, you know, if we, if, if I like characterize what Moses said is, this is too hard. I think that's valid, right? But I think, which I'll try to explain in a bit, um, the particular problems that he has here are maybe arguably not. So in other words, the fact that it's really hard is, is something that I think God understands. I think that's why he gives him this, the 70 you know, helpers. Um, but Moses has kind of taken that and I think I'll explain he's kind of personalized it or, or put his, the burden on himself too much. What, anything, or is that it? No more uh, other comments? Okay. Good. So um, he, here, uh, I guess I should start with, you know, since Joe already, um, you know, mentioned it. Um, I thought it was really interesting that Moses didn't yell at the people. He's obviously frustrated with them and annoyed with them. And, you know, they deserve it. You know, they deserve some sort of like rebuke or tongue lashing or I don't know, some sort of anger or spite from him. But um, Moses, what's cool to me, the coolest part of this passage is that, as Joe mentioned, he takes it to God. Right? So if I could contrast Young's, uh, what Young said about the people not having a, a relationship with God, I feel like Moses is a, is a polar opposite. Right? Even things that are good and when things are bad, you know, he's doing this because God made him, because God called him, because he loves God, right? So it's a very kind of, uh, it's a very intimate conversation, I feel like. It's like almost like, you know, something that with, a, with like somebody that assigned you something or like your boss or maybe your parent or maybe your spouse or, if somebody made you do something that, you know, they didn't tell you how hard it was going to be. <laughs> and you go back to them and go, are you crazy? I can't, you know, we, we just kind of go off because it was just, you know, unfair what they were, we were asking. So to me, it, he really is the antidote to the, um, to the Israelites in terms of um, their issues are so self-centered and they have no awareness of God. Right. So, uh, you know, if God, if they were eating like, you know, quail and I don't know, uh, uh, you know, uh, hummus and, and other good stuff, you know, uh, tahini, you know, Mon Mona's been making, I don't know if baba ganoush is, is, is Middle Eastern or not, but if they had enough <laughs> of that kind of good food, they, they, they wouldn't care who God was. That, to, to them, God was just a kind of a force, a, 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 a resource, a Costco. Right? But not, not so with Moses. Moses took things very personally. So he goes to God and says, you know, I can't believe you're making me do this. You know how hard it is. And, you're make, and it's getting harder. And if you're not going to change anything, just kill me now. I, he, he is a drama queen. I, I agree with Joe. But I think it's, um, you know, uh, it's very uh, kind of encouraging. Um, and when you're in a leadership capacity, I think this is the way that we should handle leadership struggle. You know, uh, it's easy to kind of, whatever, shirk responsibility or kind of uh, get, you know, go off on people or to punish people that aren't doing what you want. And there's a lot of ways in which we can express um, our discontent or the hardship of of leadership um, and Moses is not immune to that you know later on he does yell at the people and God calls him out God punishes him I think that Moses is not allowed to go to the promised land because he oversteps so he, he's not perfect but here I think it's a great example of really coming before God and, and duking it out you know God you've, you've done this and you need to make a change. You told me this, and this is not happening. And it's a real, um, I think it's, a, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing conversation. 
uh, between uh, uh, the Lord um, and uh, his servant. And I'm going to keep saying this as we study, right? But, you know, leadership is really about uh, what God wants you to do. Yeah. He's the one that appoints us. He's the one that assigns us. He's the one that takes away, uh, you know, authority, position, responsibility, uh, and stuff. It's not really a qualification. It's not really talent. It's not really seniority. It's not about whether you want to do it, whether you like doing it, whether you're a natural leader. Okay, it, those help, right? Those, are, those aren't like completely irrelevant. But they're not the primary thing. The primary thing is, does God want you to do this? Right? And do you want to do it because God wants you to do it? Right? To me, this is what Moses uh, kind of, you know, here in chapter 11, uh, really kind of, kind of shows us um, that, you know, leadership is important, not because of the leading part, but because it is a way in which we, you know, get to know God and God gets, uh, you know, teaches us. It, it's so, you know, I, I, I struggle sometimes with the, 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 the concept of leadership and a lot of, you know, leadership, um, like uh, whatever management slash leadership kind of knowledge, uh, seminars, you know, conferences, it, it's the biggest thing, right? And I understand it's, it's importance. And, you know, we could argue that in our, in our societal, in our national, uh, you know, uh, whatever chaos, it, it's, it's a leadership issue. I, I agree with all that, but I don't feel that um, that's the main point in biblical leadership. Yeah. That it's really, uh, that the purpose of leadership is really about God working through an individual. And it's, yes, God accomplishes things like King David, you know, had a, a great, you know, leadership tenure and stuff like that. But it's really, it's, it's, the, it's the vehicle through which God, you know, changes us and challenges us. And it's a, it's a tough vehicle. It's, it's a hard thing. But so don't get... Uh, I feel like we should not get enamored with position or with leadership or with, you know, this, that, or the other, right? Uh, even if it's, you know, uh, sanctioned by God and there's, you know, biblical examples and, and all that good stuff, you know, that's there. But I don't want, you know, the, the tail wagging the dog. I feel like even biblical leadership is secondary to uh a, a, a vibrant relationship with God, right? So if God uses this to, you know, uses you in a leadership position to do this, amen, right? If he doesn't, right, if he never, you know, asks you or calls you or commands you to lead, but you're close to him, you love him, you're intimate with him, and you're obedient, amen. Uh, that's kind of how um, I, I kind of am, am walking through uh, some of, of these uh, passages, right? Yeah, so um, I think uh, Moses, though, is, um, like I said, the, the complaint that this is too hard for me is good, but he's, uh, I think, assuming too much. Like he says, how can I feed all these people? There's no way. It's impossible to, to have this kind of thing. Where he questioned when God said, I'm going to provide meat for a month. He goes, what? That, that's just, you know, so Moses is being a little too pragmatic himself. And that's, I think, because he's taken too much burden on himself. In, in my vernacular, the way that I present it to you guys, it's actually that he um, is thinking too much about leading as opposed to, you know, letting God work through him, right? All God, you know, the greatest leader is just someone who does what God tells them to do, right? And that's the greatest Christian too, right? But Moses, he doubted, he there was, there, was a, there was a glitch here, right? Moses wasn't confident enough to tell the people exactly what God told him to say. And, and that's going to be the issue that prevents him from getting into the promised land of himself, right? So God says, okay, that's where you're at. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there. Just, you know, just watch. You watch what's going to happen. And sure enough, the, the huge wave of meat comes and, um, you know, 
quail. I heard that they can't fly very well, so the wind can, you know, bring them in from 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 the areas. And there was so much, you know, foul. There's so much, uh, you know, this would have been a, a Chinese wedding banquet palooza, right? All the all the birds that that could have been consumed. Uh, and, and the like, right? Uh, everyone collected 10 homers and 50 runs batted in. Uh, they had so much uh, of this. But of course, it, the, the, be careful what you wish for, right? The blessing turned into a curse, right? And God sent this plague. Some people say the plague was because they tried to stretch out the meat and dry it out, right? They were trying to preserve it, but food poisoning, you know, botulism, that was God's uh, means of, of, of punishment, whatever, whatever the case, right? Uh, it turned out that, again, the Israelites were so happy. They're like, you know, ec ecstatic and stuff, but, you know, God, their, their lack of relationship with God really, you know, hurt them, it really doomed them um, in, in this context. Okay, let me finish. A uh, couple more minutes with the, uh, the the seventy leaders, right? So you know God uh, does uh, uh, have Moses find seventy who can assist him, right? And then we have this interesting thing about you know God says gather them and then um, you know the spirit uh, and, and and scholars will debate on if it's Moses's little s spirit or if it's God's spirit in him. I think. Uh, you know, our translation is it says God's spirit so it passes from through Moses so to me that was uh, God was making it clear that you know Moses's leadership is still paramount you know that he's not it's not going to be a college of leaders per se with equal authority God's spokesperson God's man is still or God's person is still Moses but um, the leadership aspect right God enabled and empowered and, and all that um, was going to be shared or uh, others uh, would, would benefit uh, from it. And then they start prophesying, right? Um, and um, it's not clear what that means. Like, you know, we might have our own versions of what, uh, understanding what prophecy means, but basically all this says is that they were acting like prophets, right? And it doesn't say anything more. And then it doesn't show up again. So I, I, I followed the school of thought that this was a sign. It wasn't a function, right? That their leadership role was not to act like a prophet. Their leadership role was to help Moses with the burden of, of carrying the people. That's why God was willing to commission them. But the, but the prophecy, yeah. So what was the purpose, purpose of the prophecy, you think? Uh, any, any quick thoughts? Why, why did God, uh, to reveal the heart of God, okay? What's the heart of God here? That God still loves them and he has concern for them, even in a request like this, and that he wants to help um, Moses govern his people. Okay, good, good. Yeah, so I, I think the heart of God could also, we could say that the provision of the quail is certainly like that, but uh yeah certainly the fact that these people yeah um okay others any other uh i'm sorry i, I can't dwell on it because i want to finish soon so any other quick thoughts i think david mentioned it already but i personally read, read it as it was it must have been really helpful to moses he was like, this is too much. And God says, okay, I'm going to help you with 70 guys, right? And then they actually, he sees his God spirit in him go to them. And there's a, a real sign of it. There's, there's, an, there's evidence, right? So I think that, that would have been really encouraging to Moses that, yeah, as David said, I care for you, Moses. I, I understand you. Right? My heart is for you to support you. And, and so here are the people that, um, are willing uh, that, that, that I've commissioned. Right? So, you know, God is doing a, a lot of things right, in this story. And I think one of the things is that he is really trying to uh, help a burned out Moses, right? Burned out Moses. And maybe a little bit kind of, uh, you know, a little bit thinking too much about things himself, taking on too much 
himself. And that's us, right? We are all go-getters. We're all overstretched. You know, um, whether you've asked for it or not, whether God's given it to you or not, you know, we are in this pandemic. And I was thinking, like, what is this pandemic like? It's like everything is like three times harder, right? Um, like, I feel like, you know, planning a meal is three times harder. Um, trying to have a conversation with a friend is three times harder. Going to work is three times harder. Like making a decision is three times harder. Um, you know, taking your kids to school is three times. I, I know it, it might not be, you know, exactly, right, whether it's a physical burden or a mental burden, right? But so, you know, everyone is, so even like I, had a, I was on a pastor's call and we're talking about how exhaust, the, the word is exhaustion. And everyone is exhausted. Even though you're not, you don't feel like you're doing much, you are exhausted. And so, you know, Moses, Moses has been there. Moses has been there and God, what did God do? God brought um, yeah, helpers uh, and stuff. So I don't know, um, you know, we could apply this uh, a number of ways we can say we need more helpers you, you know like i could make this a a call for people to volunteer more and to contribute and to you know sign up for things and stuff but you know uh, i don't i don't necessarily feel like that that's the message that 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 uh, it's there um i think you know that maybe god wants to send or, or we need others to come from the lord around us and that's why you know I, I'm, I'm kind of emphasizing again that try to make this meeting try to try to get get to all the gatherings somehow or or, or create your own kind of outreach and community right uh, for it um you know um you know i, I like in person uh, if i haven't communicated that but it one thing i don't like about it is i don't get to interact with people that i used to on zoom on sundays Right? Like I always felt like my breakout room was the best. Right? If Jack was there, it's even better. Um, but um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have that because you know we're we're doing our own lunch fellowship and stuff. And and so I feel like I really look forward to Thursdays because then that's kind of my like my makeup <laughs> for the for the Sunday Zoom. So that that's kind of how I want to uh, find that support, that strength. Okay, uh, let's uh, wrap up then and go to prayer. Um, let's just uh, yeah, have some couple a minute or some moments to think about the passage, think about the questions, think about God and Moses. Uh, Lord, as we um, embark on, on maybe the second part of Numbers, um, a difficult part, uh, defeat, a, a, a part with many defeats, um, we, uh, uh, I think we can relate to the Israelites, we can relate to God, we can relate to Moses, um, that uh, the human heart, the human, human nature, uh, it, it's not easy to persevere at something that's difficult, and whether it's expressed in complain about food or complain about the assignment that God's given us. Um, this is just very close to home. Lord, but uh, we pray that uh, um, we might learn the lessons. Uh, maybe the greatest lesson, at least for me, is how Moses really looked to you, that you were the answer, that it wasn't going to be in better people or even 70 elders. I mean, it's good, but ultimately it was your presence and your truth and your love and your your mercy that buoyed him uh, therefore as i think i tried to say lord you know moses really didn't care about leadership uh, he was fine with uh, eldad and and medad even though they were uh, outside they were not present they, they were still prophesying and 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 
Moses loved that because that meant people were growing with God. Help us to yeah learn from that. Help us to live that, especially now, especially if we take care of so many things, take care of, of our people, um, to be filled with that that spirit. And uh, if we have issues, help us uh, um, first and foremost to come before you. I really pray uh, for uh, our brothers and sisters here as they um, as the year ends and without much relief, um, without much. Uh, clarity without much for some not much hope but um, again as, as brother Ed shared we're not lost you're leading us and we want to stay close to you Jesus name we pray amen